tonight, uh, I just want to take a, a, just a little bit of time and, and just talk about something during the Christmas season that we probably don't spend a whole lot of time on. Um, and it's the genealogy of Christ. You know, when you're going through a, a Bible and you're doing your Bible reading plan, you inevitably get to those begats, right? If you're a King James Version person, you're like, oh, this is so, uh. It's like going through Leviticus, uh, you know? It's like you've, you were great through Genesis, you know? You're great through Exodus, you know? Then you get into Leviticus, and it's getting really, really tough, you know? And you start off in Matthew, and you start on the, and this guy begat that guy and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, let's just get to Jesus and get on with it, you know? Um, but they're important because the begats that we have or the genealogy of Jesus that is in Matthew and is in Luke is not the same genealogy. And maybe you've known that. Maybe you've, you've read that and wondered why does it seem to be different. It's not the same names. There's a few names that are the same, but there's a lot of names that aren't. And so in reading, looking at some of the genealogy, um, and Randy, if you want, you can bring the lights up just a little bit. Thank you. There we go. I can see your smiling faces. So when we look at this, uh, the book of genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham, right? He said, Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob uh, begot Judah and his brothers, and Judah begot Perez and, and uh, Zerah by Tamar. And as I was, began to reading this stuff, it, it kind of struck me as something that, um, in the history of Jesus, that there are really not so cool things that have happened. If you read about Judah having... Uh, children by Tamar. Tamar was his daughter-in-law, and his son died. And and Judah wasn't fulfilling uh, what should be fulfilled of giving her an heir, another son, to produce children. To the point where she had to act like a harlot to draw him close to her. If you've ever read that story, it's kind of weird. It's like, what kind of a Christmas Eve thing did we come to? Hold on. This is getting weird. And so you've got this whole thing where, um, you know, uh, Judah comes home and finds out that, that uh, Tamar is pregnant. And he's like, okay, bring her out. We've got to stone her. It's pretty serious. And, you know, she collected from him the uh, uh, staff and a signet ring and stuff like that. And she says, by the man whom gave me these, I am pregnant. And Judah's like, she has been more righteous than I have. And I thought, boy, that's a weird lineage to come from. And I started reading a little bit more, and Judah, you know, Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez got uh, Harazan, uh, Harazan, and Harazan begot Ram. Ram begat Abinadab, Nashon, and you go through all these different, Solomon begot Boaz, and then I thought, whoa, wait a minute, I recognize Boaz. I stopped there for a second, and I think, you all know the book in the Bible of, of Ruth. And Ruth and Naomi, they all lost everything. <laughs> Husbands are gone, which is almost, almost like a death sentence in that culture. 
And so Naomi's like, ladies, go get married, find other husbands, live your life. I'm going to go back home. And one daughter-in-law is like crying and gives Naomi a hug and says, okay, bye. And Ruth is like, I, I'm not leaving you. And Naomi's like, no, you need to go because, you know, I'm, there's nothing for me but death. <laughs> and so there's nothing good for you coming along with me. So go find yourself another husband and, and, and live your life. And she's like, I'm not, she's like, I'm not leaving you. She's like, listen, she's like, your people are going to be my people and your God is going to be my God and I'm not letting go of you. And Ruth is an interesting, wonderful thing. And so they come there, and there's, it's a whole cultural thing. It's a, you know, because, because their husbands died and there's other relatives around, there's this thing where they, have, they, they can redeem them from their, their circumstances, so to speak. And so, you know, there's this whole thing going on in Ruth where Ruth, you know, she finds Boaz, and Boaz, you know, gives some, is nice to Ruth, and this whole thing, and Naomi finds out about it, and there's this whole strategy that goes on. And finally, uh, they fall in love, and Boaz pays the price to redeem Ruth. It's a wonderful story. We call that the kinsman redeemer. And, and it is an awesome and a perfect picture of Christ in the Old Testament of, of what he's done for us. He's bought our salvation. He's purchased our redemption with his blood. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. Because when you look at this is, is, is um, Boaz um, begat Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. And so you begin to see the line of all of a sudden. Now, remember, remember David wasn't supposed to be the first king. He was the second king because Saul blew it, right? But yet here's this lineage that's coming that we've, we've all seen, the, the, read the Bible stories of David, and we've all, we've all you know, looked at all these kinds of things. But here's where it starts. It actually starts with the promises in Genesis chapter 3 that if you've been coming to church for a while, you've, you've seen it, that in the midst of the curse, in the midst of your worst day, in the midst of your sin, there is this line in Genesis 3 where God is speaking and he says, I'm going to put enmity or war between your seed and her seed. And you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And the war starts right there, the battle. And it's this, this line that, that, that the father is giving that says things are going to be bad for a while, but guess what? I've already set redemption in the midst of your sin, in the midst of the worst thing you could ever experience, being separated from God the Father. Understand that I've set something in motion that's going to bring us back together again. There's this thread of hope. It may be hard. It may be tough. But hold on. Because that thread of redemption is still there. And then we have David, the king, uh, begot Solomon. And I like how my, my version here says, by her who had been the wife of Uriah, just, the, just reminding us all of how, how uh, Solomon was born from uh, a woman who was the wife of Uriah that David stole. And their first child died as a judgment of their sin. And Uriah was killed. So David marries Bathsheba. 
They have another child, and that child is Solomon. Me all about Solomon. Solomon, the wisest guy that was, the wisest king there ever was. But he was lacking in, in some things. And then you go down here and you see, you go to some more begots. And you get up to Manasseh begot Amon and Amon begot Josiah. And do you remember a boy by the name of Josiah in the Old Testament? Josiah was this boy king, roughly eight years old. He becomes king. And, and they're going through the temple one day, and all of a sudden they find this book of the law that they had departed from years, years and years and years ago. And they find it, and they bring it, to Josiah, and Josiah's reading it, and they're all reading it. And all of a sudden, revival, the word of God, pierces the heart of a young man who says, I am going to bring this nation back no matter what it takes. You know, because people had, from Boar had said, I'm going to have some revival, but they stopped short. They cleaned up a few things over here, but they didn't, they didn't go after the high places that surrounded Jerusalem where they would offer sacrifices to Baal or Ashtoreth or anything else. They'd stop short of that, but Josiah, boy, Josiah gets lit. You could almost say that the zeal of the Lord consumes him because all of a sudden he's going to go through and he's going to lay to waste all All of this junk. All of the idolatry of Israel. He was a good king. He was in the... He was a, he was a good king that was in the, the line of succession of a lot of kings before him and some kings behind him that weren't so good. And we're looking through here and... They go into um, uh, Babylon, but listen to this. And after they were brought to Babylon, uh, Jeconiah begot Shatiel, and Shatiel Zerubbabel, and you go through all this thing, and 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 then um, you get down here to uh, towards the end, sixteen. Jacob begot Joseph, Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom was born uh, Jesus, who is called the Christ. And it says, so the generations of Abraham and David are 14 generations from David until captivity of Babylon are 14 generations from the captivity of Babylon until, the, until Christ are 14 generations. And all of a sudden in Matthew, Jesus is going to be born. And so why does that matter? I'll tell you why it matters. It's because every one of us in our life can look back and find some things that are not so good. We may look back in our life and find some things that maybe look a lot like what happened with some of these people of the Old Testament. Some things, some patterns that have been destructive. And sometimes we use the things of our past and we let them hang over us to decide our future. But that's not Jesus. Because just as the line of redemption was falling back, way back in, in Genesis chapter 3, that same line of redemption is running through your family as well. And you can say, I, I, so I don't see it. Maybe not yet. But remember what, what the, the new covenant says, what Paul says. Listen, 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Why? Because the thread of redemption has made himself real in Jesus Christ. And he came as a baby, but he didn't stay as a child. He left his, his, his kingly throne and became a humble servant so he could die on a cross for one purpose, so that that thread of redemption would be realized for all mankind and all who would accept it. And to those who would receive him, he gave the right to become sons and daughters. And when you think about this, everything that, that Jesus has gone through and everything that, is, that has happened, uh, it gives us pause on this Christmas to think that there's a beginning. There's a new beginning. There's always new beginnings in Christ. The old life has passed away when you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, I understand that sometimes it's tough. Sometimes we live off the memory of a dead person. But the reality is if when you've accepted Jesus, you no longer own that past that was once yours. It belongs to him. He paid for it, a heavy price. And he's not wanting to give it back to you. As a matter of fact, he has chosen to forget it, which means he never brings it up to you anymore. Well, there is one person who does, and that's the accuser of the brethren, but we don't celebrate him. We celebrate redemption. Now, the other side in Luke, you have, we, we, in Matthew, this is Joseph, because Matthew is a book that was written by a Jew to Jews about a Jew, okay? And Luke is telling the story of, of Mary's background, but both came from David, but Mary's back, background is not going to come through Solomon. It's going to come through David's son, Nathan, which fulfills the, the prophecy because in the line of Joseph is a king no, known as uh, Jeconiah that Jeremiah prophesies against and says, you're a wicked king and no line is going to come from you. So if he had just come from Joseph, they would have violated the prophecy of Jeremiah, and God knows all these things. And so he is going to come from the line of David, and Joseph, he's going to be adopted by Joseph, but the, 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 the genetic line is going to come through Mary. And so he, he covers everything. God covers everything. There is nothing that's a surprise to him. And I look at this stuff, and I say, I can trust him with my future because he knows everything before it happens. And because he knows, and because he loves me, and because he has good things for me, it doesn't mean I don't have hard times, but because of his goodness, I can trust that no matter what I face, he is behind the scenes working all things according to the good of those who are called by his name. I have that. You have that. So no matter what it is that you have faced on this earth, the battles you have fought, the things you have suffered, Jesus has never left you. Jesus has never forsaken you. And even at times when it, we feel like we don't care or we walk away, he's standing there with open arms, willing, ready to receive us again. Not, not about salvation, but about relationship. relationship. I think when you boil everything down, 
You boil everything down. It's as simple as this. He created you. He loved you enough to create you. He loved you enough to redeem you. Not just so that you can go to heaven when you die, but that you can have a meaningful relationship with him now. And the close, I, I want the end of my life to be like this. I really do. I want to grow to know him so well when I am alive that is not that much of a surprise when I meet him face to face. Oh, I, I recognize you. You have spoken to me throughout my life. I, you and I have walked together throughout my life. And as my last heartbeat is gone and I've gone into glory with you, I've recognized you. I recognize your voice because I've heard it in my life. I see the tenderness in your eyes that have watched over me. <laughs> and I believe that is what the Father desires with us as well too. So Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Because it's not just about the great, great, great deals we get on Amazon. <laughs> and let me tell you, they're good. It's about the great gift that we've received in Jesus that will stand long after Amazon and Walmart.com fail the true gift and the true meaning.